Howdy, everybody, and thanks for joining me for another episode of the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. For any new listeners out there, my name is Matt Sapala, and I am your host. Guys, the guests on the podcast as of late all share similar values, ethics, and journeys, and it's so pleasing to connect with like-minded individuals who are crushing life. This week on the podcast is another individual who's doing exactly that. I introduce to you guys Sam Assa, who is the owner of Fastway to Health. Sam is a holistic health coach up to incredible things within the health and wellness space and is a huge believer in the power of fasting and letting our digestive system have a day off or two once in a while. She explains the benefits and her experience during today's episode. I guess this podcast is released at a perfect time almost. I personally just completed my first ever juice fast, which was interesting to say the least. I aimed for seven days, but only got to four days before my body decided enough was enough. And I really aimed to connect with my intuition through that journey. And I didn't look at the four days as a failure for not getting to seven days. I looked at it in a positive way and thought, wow, that's amazing. I've really got four days out of my body and let my digestive system have a break for four days so the benefits are incredible through that time and in the next juice fast that I do I'll no doubt get to seven days hopefully anyway back to Sam she's a very spiritual person and it's so evident during today's episode when we open up a can of worms chatting about intuition law of attraction and a whole realm of incredibly hot topics making the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Guys, I hope this episode gave you as many aha moments as it did for me. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Take it away, Sam. Sam Asa, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. Awesome to have you on the show today. Thanks, Matt. Awesome to be here. It was funny. I was just chatting to you before the podcast and we were sitting inches away from each other before we met down at Urban Produce a few weeks back and now we connected over Instagram and I love everything that you're doing in the holistic health and wellness space. Um, But first, I want to start off with what was life like for you growing up? How did that look for you? Yeah, awesome. And by the way, Matt, if I'm ever in Melbourne, there's a high chance that you will find me at Urban Produce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, life growing up. Okay, cool. This is a fun conversation. So life growing up for me, uh, was actually really amazing. Like I have two great parents. I have an awesome family and, um, I have had an absolute cheerleader fan of a mom who just like would do whatever it took to put me through whatever it was that I wanted to get put through, right. From dancing to acting, to singing lessons, to netball, to whatever it was, she made it happen. So she's an absolute legend. Um, and what I recognized with my health especially was that they did, my parents did the best they could with what they knew, right? And so often that's how we're all living life. Like we're doing the best that we can with what we know. And so from what I deem as health now and healthy now and what makes me feel good is so different to the life that I kind of lived um, growing up um, just because you know, we often are born into a family or whatever it is and into an environment and take on all of those things in those environments. And so as much as I wasn't like a really unhealthy person, um, there was a lot of processed foods in my, in my diet. There was, um, a lot of 
I don't know, not as much fresh food as I was, as I would eat now. And the, the, the flip side is that I was super active all the time. Like I was always active, always wanting to do something. I was never one of those um, kids that kind of sat on the couch and watched Netflix or not, not that that was Netflix then, but you know, things like that. I was yeah. always doing something active. And so, yeah, I really love the life, the life that I had growing up just because it really taught me to, um, to continue to push for, for, for for things that I wanted to achieve, like not just sit there and allow things to come to you. It's like actually get out there and, and move towards it and do something different and, um, and follow your dreams. And so I really, yeah, I think my, my, my growing up really helped shape the person that I am right now. That's a fantastic response there, Sam. And I love that you mentioned that your parents did First of all, I love the little plug for your rock star parents there. That was awesome to include uh, first and foremost. But I love what you mentioned about that your parents did the best that they could with the resources they had or and basically the knowledge they had. And, and it was so common. And I know podcasting with a lot of people, they, they give me the same answers that that was what they knew or deemed to be healthy back then and how, how it shifted now is, is very intriguing. I want to dive into everything or how your mindset shifted and how your perception of health changed. But first, let's talk more about your your school life and what sports you were playing growing up and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was into everything. Like I remember in school, like it was from like T-ball to softball to touch football to netball, all of the things. Um, I was doing all of the different sports in kind of uh, within school but it wasn't until um, I went into high school, I went to a performing arts school for acting and really fell in love. I was doing acting leading up to this and, and drama and things like that, but I really fell in love with the performing arts and musical theatre and, and acting. And, you know, at this stage, my whole dream was to be on Broadway. And so I really, I went to a performing arts school to really dedicate myself to that. So I was probably not your average teenager. Like I wasn't one to you know, go out and party a whole bunch. Like I was one that was like actually in a show every second week and committed to rehearsals and committed to fine tuning who I was as a performer. So um, that's really how I, I lived. I moved from doing the sports stuff and just dedicated my whole self into performing arts. And I think that's where I learned a lot around um, expression, about confidence, about, um, you know, con uh, communication to people um, and really around, um, stepping into something that, you know, like especially with acting, you step into a lot of different characters and you can you can be a lot of different people. And I think through that, um, I kind of, I guess, moved away from who I truly was and was constantly like in this kind of facade of somebody else, which was really interesting as I look back on that now because... It wasn't until fasting, which I'm sure we're going to get to, that has led me to get to know myself on a real deep, like true essence kind of layer. But as much as I was a confident, happy person growing up and in school, I was very dedicated to my arts. And so I was never really confident in who I actually was as a person. I was just playing all of these different characters, which was really interesting. Um, yeah. Do you have something to say on that? Yeah, I, I love I love that what you said there, Sam, and particularly that I find a common thing with actors and people that are in the performing arts sort of industry that they're always striving to be that person that other people want them to be for, for example, to get the role that they're after. So it's really interesting looking back now how you've sort of addressed that issue and, and really found yourself. I, I love how you've said that. 
Yes. And that's so interesting that you say that too, because it's right. Like, and you become this people pleaser or like this, or how do I become better in this? And how do I, you know, and it's actually not really about who you are at the core level. It's actually just like all of these layers that you're putting on top of yourself. And, and also because it's a hard industry, right? So you want to try and be the best person and you're constantly comparing and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, like that's who I was for a lot of, for a lot of my years. Uh, and it wasn't until I hit kind of like a rock bottom moment when I got an injury that um, changed the course of where I was going, like an injury that it's like a back injury and a hamstring injury. And I had to stop performing, I had to stop dancing at this stage. And it just led me on a different directory. And like, although trajectory, I don't know why I said directory. <laughs> and, <laughs> and although like, I really believe that everything's happening for a reason. Uh, and although, and, and I don't think I'd be who I went, who I am today if I didn't have, you know, all of the skills and study all of the acting and do all of the things that I did in that arena. But at the same time, it was really hard at that moment when something kind of that you think that you've been working towards gets stripped away from you. And then all of a sudden you go, what, who am I? And so I guess that kind of started that question of like, whoa, like who am I without all, all of this? Yeah, definitely. Um, Sam, I, I'm really intrigued how, how your beliefs changed into um, everything happens for a reason. Cause I'm a big firm believer that everything does happen for a reason. And you often don't see it in the time when something bad is happening to change your course. But I, I love how you've looked back now and you've, you've realized that everything has happened for a reason and you wouldn't be the person that you are, or you wouldn't have taken the journey that you have if it wasn't for that setback then and there. And just touching on your acting sort of performing arts stint, were, was the aim for you to go professional with that? Did you want to make a career out of that? At this point in time, for sure I did. Like I remember all through school, it was like, you know, everyone was like, you need to have a plan B. And I was like, I don't need a plan B. Like <laughs> I'm going to Broadway. <laughs> um, but but this, like, I had like that kind of stubborn streak in me of like, well, if you just say I'm not going to do it, I'm obviously going to do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had, I, I had visions and I had dreams that that would be what it was. Like I would go and make this thing a career. Um, so my mindset had always kind of believed everything's happening for a reason anyway. Like I always kind of looked on the brighter side of things. Um, but now, you, you know, even from looking on the brighter side of things, my perception and mindset's completely shifted to a more very human experience type of mindset that we're supposed to fully feel. We're not just supposed to feel good and see the light and see all of that stuff. It's actually the duality of life that I feel I fully believe in now and that we're supposed to just fully feel and whatever that is, if that's, you know, frustration and anger, then great. But if that's love and joy, then also great. I think that's what we're here for in the human experience is to experience all of it. But in this particular thing, I think I realized like, yeah, everything's happening for a reason. And although that in the moment, it kind of feels doesn't feel great and you know and you can go through a bit of a, a lull and sit in the pain and sit in the victim kind of mentality for a moment as long as you're kind of going to get up out of that out of that lull and move forward then that's the main thing but I think it's like you know sometimes the universe or whatever we want to call it isn't giving us necessarily what we want it's giving us what we need and I think for me I know I'm here in this lifetime for growth and and in order for that to really manifest and really for me to grow into, you know, this evolving thing that I am on this planet, then it's going to hand me challenges and hand me different things to lead me on the course that I'm supposed to be on for growth ultimately. You hit the nail on the head there, Sam. And I know I used to work at a company called Lululemon and we did a lot of 
lot of growth and goal setting and, and really chatting about where our life was heading and what direction we want to take and all the obstacles that you overcome. And we talked a lot about getting back up on the horse after life gives you these, these setbacks for lack of a better term or, or these speed humps and, and really how to overcome them was, was a skill that I think a lot of people lack in this world. And if you can learn how to, how to overcome those things, I feel like you could be a much better person. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's all lessons, right? Like, and even if it's like an emotion or it's an injury or it's an illness or it's like something that's completely challenging, challenging you in life, I take it as feedback. It's like, it's just feedback saying, Hey, like go in this direction or Hey, pay attention to how I'm, what I'm, what you're feeling. Or, and I really believe like with that mindset of looking at stuff, it's like, cool. What's the feedback? What's the thing I'm trying to learn right now? Like what's, what's it teaching me? And I think by having that, you're in a more empowered state instead of playing victim to like, why me? It's like, ask a different question and you get a different result, right? Amazing. Hit the nail on the head again, Sam. I love where this conversation is going to head a bit later on. But what was next after the, after the injuries? What happened next? Yeah, so this kind of spirals my, I mean, not skipping over the fact that I did go into a lull of depression, of um, anxiety, of like, you know, binge eating, emotional eating, like all of that stuff. Um, and not really lost in life. Like I just moved cities. Um, like I was really like thrown off right um and and i was also in pain because i had a lot of injuries so there was loads going on in that in that space for a few for a good sorry few sam i'm just gonna stop you there how old were you at this stage oh good question i was like 20 20, 20 yep yeah, cool yeah um and so then from there it led me into personal development and and like you know, reading more empowering books. And I, w- I remember going to this seminar thing, this weekend seminar, and that was probably the, the change in direction at that point that opened my eyes up to like, oh, there's so much more that's possible than me lying and lying and watching um, whatever I was binge watching on, 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 on like TV series and eating like, I don't know, cheese and bacon balls, like whatever. <laughs> like it was like, there was so much more to life than like drowning my sorrow and in that. And that was kind of my introduction into like there's something deeper that here there's like something that I really um want to just I'm curious about and I want to learn more about this and it's making me think differently about myself and who I am and what I want to do in this world and so I went I, I dove into that and that's when I started to study um neuro linguistic program I started to look at life coaching um, I started to go into the work of like hypnosis and timeline therapy. And a lot of it at this first year was really just to do with my own personal growth. And then I really started to see like, actually, I think this might be a direction that I want to go at some point. Um, and so, yeah, it led me completely into personal development. And I was in this for a few years, right? Like I was in this whole, this is like really opening my eyes up. It's really challenging me. It's really inviting me to into deeper levels of myself and it's wanting me to do different things. But at this stage I'd also let go of the performing arts and I was open to a different direction as well. Awesome, Sam. And we, I think a lot of people realize that personal development doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey of really understanding what sort of avenue you want to go down or even what, what sort of setback you're facing in the moment. So it's not uncommon for you to be, in that personal development phase, my tongue's getting twisted for, for quite a long time. And, and through that phase, did you ever question what sort of path you wanted to go down or, or were you still, you know, contemplating through the, the hypnosis and things like that? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, personal development, I think once you're in it, you're in it for life, right? Like it's constant. But um, yeah, it did. Like I was, I was really questioning what I wanted to do. And then I became very curious as uh, like, I look at life as university, right? So it's like, okay, if I want to learn a skill, I'll go and work in that arena because I believe you, if you get put like all, you go all in, then that's the best way to learn. And so from there, I like learned, you know, I want to learn more about sales and, you know, I think that would help if I wanted to go into my own business and different things. So I went into the sales industry in the, in the fitness industry and I was there for a, a long time. I, I actually fell in love with that work and being in that environment. And it taught me a lot, um, taught me a lot about, um, you know, actually myself and, and sales and what it means to be in sales, because I think I was afraid of it before and how it's just communication and how I related to people. And it showed me like my deep love for human connection and people and just serving them and helping them. And it was never like, for me, a lot of the work, why I did well in the work as well was because I was never really focused on, you know, the sale or getting the commission bracket or whatever it was. I was like really just wanting to help the person and like understand why they're they're actually here because often someone walks into a gym, it's never really about just losing five kilos. There's always some deeper stuff going on. And so I was so curious about getting to that stuff. So I just love talking to people and, and learning their behaviors and, and their patterns and how, how I can get into that. So I guess that's where a lot of the work that I was doing in NLP and life coaching and stuff came into, into that. And then the fitness industry like opened my eyes up around health, right? And around my patterns around health. And I was always wanting to be a better, healthier version, but I was doing it in all the wrong ways. Like I was doing it in constantly doing six week programs that never worked and constantly asking everyone else for the advice, but without acknowledging what was right for my body. And I had no idea how to listen to that. And I was like, Oh, I was, you know, hanging out for that cheat day on the weekend. And I was eating, you know, I was just doing all of these things that weren't aligned with my body and never getting the result and never feeling good. And I ended up feeling super bloated and um, like, like had digestive issues, had like um, like women's health issues, like all of this stuff was, was showing up and I just didn't know it the way or the, any way around it. And then I guess we can go into the journey of fasting now because this kind of enters in this period of my life when um, I it was kind of like a massive shift happened. Like I had been in a long-term relationship. I was in this job that I loved. I was in the city that I loved in Sydney. And all of a sudden I just had had this feeling like this deep down feeling of like, that something doesn't feel right anymore. Like there's something doesn't feel right within me. Like I want to, I'm growing, I'm growing away from these different relationships and I'm like wanting to move into something that I couldn't put my finger on. And so I remember just like completely 180, like uplifting my life. And I moved cities. Um, this is when I moved to Melbourne. Um, I went traveling by myself. I ended in a relationship. And then I decided to draw the line in the sand and thought, I'm going to do something different, like something that I've never done before because I'm so sick and tired of feeling the way that I'm feeling. Like I'm constantly bloated. I don't know how to I have a bad relationship with food. I'm constantly shaming my body. Like I'm just, I'm just done. Like I need to do something different. And so enter in the idea of fasting because this is, I'd heard of this. I'd been reading about it. I'd never really committed to it at this stage, but I'd like been intrigued by it. And I just remember waking up and being like, I'm going to fast. And so that's when I dove, dived into um, a seven day fast at this point in time. And as cliche as it sounds, it absolutely changed my life. 
Sam, amazing segue into fasting. I love how you've, you've led the conversation down there for me. So thank you for that, firstly. <laughs> for those of us at home that don't know what fasting is, can you explain that in a little bit more depth? I know fasting people may, may do it for religious reasons or may, may fast without them even knowing getting up in the morning and not being hungry. So, so what is fasting? Yeah, and there's so many different forms of fasting, but I guess the true definition of fasting is the abstinence of all food and things. And so really the true fasting is where you have water and that's it. And it allows your body to rejuvenate and regenerate and rest and digest and all of the energy that we would normally put into digesting food, which is a lot of energy. Like some says up to 70% of the time our body's going to work digesting food. And so when we take that away and we're no longer needing to digest that food, then our body can go to work to um, go to work on other things. And other things might be, you know, damaged cells or proteins or the rejuvenation of the immune system or um, cysts or different foreign entities that are in our body that it doesn't need. And it can start to break down these old proteins and utilize them for energy or, you know, or to burn them as fuel and to eliminate them from the body. And so, often i mean there's a study now done with professor voltolongo on 72 hours of water fasting can reset the whole immune system and all of the white blood cells and so there's so much study and insight and stuff that you can find now on the benefits of fasting and what it can actually do yeah but for me i would say it's just the abstinence of food and the abstinence of anything because there's so many different fasts if you wanted to you know, fast on, you know, a social media fast or whatever it is. But when we're talking about the body fasting um, on water is the true fast. And then you've got uh, what I love Don and Tyler Tolman talk about, like the fast, the faster and the fastest way to heal. So the fast is like plant-based foods, fruit and vegetables. The faster is the juices of the fruit and vegetables. So juice fasting. And then the faster, fastest way is water fasting. Amazing, Sam. I love how you, you mentioned Don and Tyler Tom and I ironically did a podcast with uh, something, uh, episode that I just released today with Clint Facey, who was diagnosed with testicular cancer at a young age and then is currently at day 39 of his 40-day fast. So he did 20 wow. days of water fasting and then 20 days of juice fasting and his story is incredible. I've, I had to split our podcast into two because we spoke for three and a half hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a part one that's just released today and a part two coming next week. And I really love everything, like your definition of fasting. It's so true that people can fast for different, ring, for different reasons and, and fast from different things, like you mentioned, with social media. But the true, true fasting is the absence, absent, absence of food. I can't even talk mm -hmm. today. I'm meant to be running. <laughs> I love it. So with your seven day fast, what were you doing? Did you go straight into no food for seven days or did you do juicing? Talk to us, talk to us about that. Yeah. So I went into a seven day juice fast. Uh, and I actually was in Melbourne at the time and I just went to like a juice shop and I, um, got them to do the juices for me and in and you know it's so the fasting that I do now is so different to this one time that I did it but it was like literally like I just dove straight in I was ready I was like sign me up I'm gonna juice fast I don't know what, what it means I'm very unprepared but I'm gonna do it anyway and so I went in there and did that and then organically from there I went I this is when I went plant-based because I just didn't feel to eat meat again like I was like my body was feeling so good 
but I was kind of intuitively feeling into what I wanted to put in my body and what I didn't. And at this stage, organically, I went into intermittent fasting, which is where you kind of restrict your eating window. And so typically I would get up in the morning and I would eat straight away because that's what I believed I needed to do. What I was told breakfast is the most important meal of the day, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I would wake up and normally I would eat food straight away and then I would be eating you know, so many meals, I felt like, like I would snack and then I'd eat all the meals and then I would eat at nighttime as well. And for my body, I guess it didn't need that. And so after this fast, organically, I went into intermittent fasting where I didn't need to even eat until like 11 a.m., 12 p.m. And from there, I went very kind of raw, like raw food for a while, I think, and plant-based. And from till this day, like I'm still plant-based, um, like I haven't eaten meat since just because I haven't wanted it. Um, one of the biggest things I learned was around labels. Like I, I think instead of labeling the fact that I'm vegetarian or whatever, like I'm letting go of the labels and letting go of the pressure around what that means, because intuitively if you feel into your body and you have a strong connection with your body, which is what this fasting has taught me to be able to have is like the connection to myself and my body. It's completely different to everyone else's. Like your, your body mat is different to my body. So we, we're going to want different things, right? Definitely. And so being able to understand that and feel into that has taught me that, well, maybe tomorrow I'm going to wake up and maybe it might serve me to have, you know, an animal product or whatever that is. And so getting rid of the labels means you're free to be intuitive and be connected completely instead of thinking you need to abide by a certain label. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm sure that you would have learned this through your um, phase with the six-week challenges and all, all of the destructive things that you went through while you were through the, the gym phase. And I know that putting labels on things, it doesn't help any cause whatsoever, whether it, like you're trying to label yourself to get to the gym seven days a week, it just creates destruction and it creates disappointment when you can't achieve those things. So I love how you're, you're steering clear of the labels and you're connecting to your intuition because I feel like if we start to connect with our intuition a lot more, we'll, we'll find the correct path that we want to be on instead of trying to be someone else's person. Yeah, like our body knows, like our body knows the answers. Yet we're, we're also full of, you know, whether it's food or emotions that we're not dealing with or stuff that we've suppressed. And so we don't know how to listen. And so often I'm working with people all the time. They go, yeah, Sam, but I don't know how to listen to my body. Like I don't know how to do that. And so it's this, this whole phase of stripping back these layers that can lead us to that voice that's really quiet at the start, but can become louder if we give it the space and the respect, I call it self-respect, to actually pay attention. We're always getting nudged in all different directions. Like the voice is always there guiding us, but we're either choosing to not pay attention or we have are so full of toxicity that we don't know how to listen. And so it's this process of detox slash slash like doing the emotional work and doing the inner work to be able to allow and create the space to, to, to listen. Awesome, Sam. And just for the listeners on home, listeners at home, what are some tips on how to start listening to their body? I, I know I really resonated with what that person said to you about, I don't know how to listen to my body because that was me a couple of years ago. And, and now I look back and think, oh my God, it's so easy. You just do what your body says, like it wants to do. It gives you signs. So what are some tips for the listeners at home that may be struggling to listen to their body? Yeah, for sure. And I remember asking, I've done loads of interviews as well with doctors all over the world, right? And I remember asking, I think it was Dr. Fer, Dr. Joel Furman, 
I said, you know, isn't it just that easy? Like people, like people should just like ask their body what they need and then pay attention. And he goes, no, it's like, because people, people will ask their body what they need. And if they're full of toxic, they go, I need a cheeseburger. So they're going to run out for a cheeseburger. That's not listening. So um, I think first and foremost, and this is what I really have um, created in the model of work that I work with, with people is the first, the first one is to express. And what I mean by that is that we utilize modalities like fasting and um, detoxification and emotional work and things that we strip back layers of stuff in the way. So if you're somebody who's a toxic person, like in terms of what you're eating or, you know, you're not your healthiest and things like that, then there's this, that's probably the first and foremost thing that you, you want to work on to create that space. So you want to do like perhaps a fast or you want to do like a week where you just eat completely plant-based or you do things like this that are going to make you feel healthier because as you eat healthier and you eat the plants and the vegetables, then your vibration starts to shift and move, right? It starts to um, go up because you're eating live foods. You're not eating dead foods. And so you, you'll find that you'll have a heightened sense of energy and, and mindset because of the foods that you are putting in your body or fasting for cleaning you out from those things and entering new life force in. So I think the first one is, is, it, is expressing in terms of how do you find that expression? And it's through getting rid of the layers that are, a whole, that, are, that are kind of a shell around who you truly are and starting to break that down. Um, and so that would be my, one of my first ones. And the other one would be meditation. Like from my experience, when I first did this first fast, I was somebody who would not sit still. Like, I'm like, I couldn't even imagine sitting down for five minutes to meditate. Like, what does that even look like? Like, I can't do that. <laughs> and then <laughs> I did the fast and it led me to, um, actually, I want to explore that more. And I remember just like doing two minutes a day. Like I would just set my timer on my phone and I would sit on the floor and I'd close my eyes and I would just do two minutes. And then the next week I would add a minute on and I would do like three minutes and then four minutes. And now meditation is one of my favorite things and I can sit for an hour sometimes if I need to. But I think what it does and my, my perception of the most powerful form of meditation for me being in mind that we're all different is that I love just sitting in silence because I believe if we're listening to the silence, it has the answers. And so instead of trying to quieten the mind down so that there's no thoughts at all, which is a perception that I had when before meditating, I'm like, how do I have no thoughts? Like that's not possible, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but not, but not like trying to do that and just sitting in the silence in the space and going, whatever's coming through is perhaps what I need to know right now. And it's just guiding me. And, and, you know, sometimes I get thoughts to call a certain person or to, uh, you know, like buy a certain thing or look like it gives you that kind of directions. And I think as long as you're allowing thoughts to come in and out and listening to the silence, then through that, it allowed me to have a stronger connection to that voice as well, because you're not shutting it down or saying, shh, <laughs> you're like, okay, show me more. Like, tell me more. Like, what else do I need to know? And it's like them allowing that voice to get louder. Um, and then I think a, a really powerful question that I've managed to, um, I guess, remember or discover is, the is this coming from love or fear and so sometimes we have the inner voice let's call it the intuition and then we have the ego voice that's trying to keep us safe and comfortable and so if we have a thought and it's like kind of can feel uncomfortable because sometimes when we're stepping up or we're moving outside of our comfort zone then it feels uncomfortable and so there's going to be loads of things that will come up to try and make us not do that and so i would say is this coming from love or fear like is this fear talking 
And if it is, okay, what's the thing that I'm scared to do and I'm going to go and do that thing? Or is this love? And if it's love, then there's a beautiful like intention around, okay, um, it might be hard right now, but I'm, it's coming from love and I'm going to honor that. And that's how you can kind of decipher. The same thing is like, does this feel heavy in my body or does this feel light? Okay, go towards the lightness. Wow, Sam, amazing summary there. I, I really love everything you said. And, and in particular, I love the point you raised about listening to the silence because that will give you the answers. And before I started doing meditation, I, I was like you, I couldn't sit still for five minutes. And I, I'm like, how do you control your breathing? I'm like, and someone told me that you breathe all the time like without you even thinking of it. It's involuntary. So when you actually start to think of it, there's such beauty behind it and there's such power and clarity that I think is, is such a gift that people need to explore. So meditation is definitely a big one for me too. Mm, beautiful. Awesome. Sam, I, I love this road we're going on. Now, I know you mentioned before about intuition for listeners at home. What is intuition? I know that's such a big airy fairy word, but the power behind it is, is amazing. So what is intuition to you? Ooh, good one. Um, intuition to me is that deep sense of knowing and it's uns it's like unseen kind of unspoken, unexplainable, like knowledge but it's just like this i think we all have an innate wisdom within us and it's intuition is that voice that inner voice that guides that way that guides the way like i think we're always being guided and we all we all have that inner knowing and intuition is that thing that's just allowing us to go in our own lane i call it our own i call it my own lane and the reason why i come up with this analogy was because Recently, I've been in Canada, right? And in Canada, you drive on the other side of the road and on in a different side of the car. And I was driving and as I was driving, the car had like beepers to like, it was like you're going outside of the lane, like you're merging to the other <laughs> lane and it would beep and, and tell you to get back in your lane. And I was like, oh, whoa, like this is, this is the most epic analogy for like life because you were, we're in our own lane. Like, and that's where we're supposed to be, right? In our own lane, doing us, doing our own thing. Yet we like merge into someone else's lane because of something they've said or like we're going outside of like our, our own like path and we're taking detours, but we're constantly just getting like, beep, 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 like getting knocked into our own lane. And yeah, and I, and I think that's the, that's the part of the intuition is allowing that to guide the way and um, being open to the nudges that are nudging us always into staying there. Amazing. And I love that holistic health really brings that out in a lot of people as opposed to, because it's more of a holistic approach, as I mentioned before. So you're taking into consideration person's body, mind and soul to find the true answer as opposed to, western medicine which is more of a reductionist approach which is really pinpointing that specific thing that's wrong and trying to fix that instead of um the whole approach which is from holistic medicine uh-huh yeah and what role does intuition play in your life i know for me now when i'm trying to make a decision i always connect to my intuition and ask myself what i want in that moment and sometimes it's a bit more difficult than others but i want to know what what role it plays in your life and how would you become to come to a decision? 
Yeah. It's literally like, I really allow it in my life. Like ultimately it's like in my life is intuitively based from where I need to be, what location. I mean, like right now I was saying to you, like I've literally just come to the Gold Coast intuitively, didn't have this in the plan, but I'm here right now because it felt like I needed to be here. And it's the same as like when I came back from Canada, like, like I move from this into intuition and sometimes logically it doesn't make sense, but I really believe that if you follow that heart and you follow that calling and the knowing, then you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And so intuitively, like now I really, and I learned this from Paul Check actually, this really cool exercise where you, where you drop into your body and you, you remember a time where it felt like a full body. Yes. Moment. Like it was like, there was no doubt in my mind that my answer was a yes. Like it felt really good. It felt expansive. And I was like going towards it and feel how that feels in your body. And for me, it's like my, like I feel my whole heart area and chest area, like expand and light up and I feel my arms like tingle. So that for me is like a full body. Yes. Moment when it's a full body. No, you feel into a time where it was like, where it was like a no, like you, you didn't want to do something or, you know, you, you, it just was like a not, a, not a good time and you feel how it felt in your body. And for me, my stomach constricts, constricts and my throat constricts. And so when I'm making a decision, I can sit in that decision and ask myself, okay, is this a full body? Yes. Or is it a no? And I'll get either that expansive feeling or I'll get that restricted feeling. And then, and then I can choose at that point, I can choose to go, well, <laughs> I know it feels constrictive, but I'm still going to do it anyway. There's obviously lessons I need to learn or I'm Go, I'm going to go with that expansive feeling and I'm going to move into that because it's like a full body yes. Amazing, Sam. I, I love everything that you're preaching and everything that, that you're doing with your intuition and how easy you find it to connect with it. And guys, just give it a go. Sam has given us some great tips on how to express yourself and, and how to let thoughts come into your mind and, and really follow the path of least resistance. So amazing, Sam. I love how this... Um, intuition is a uh, segue back into fasting and you can see how your intuition has developed further from fasting. So I want to know how can not be, how can not eating be used as medicine? Like people would say often when I'm telling people about the power of fasting, people say, well, when I'm sick, I, I feel like my body needs to be nourished. So I want to nourish it with whole foods and, and things like that. But how can not eating be used as medicine as well? Yeah. And that's a, such a good question. And, uh, you know, I think if you look back to, you know, even nature or animals, like any animal on the, on the planet, if they're sick, they'll, they'll fast. Right. And they'll, and you often see, like I watch dogs, like when they're about to be sick, like they'll eat grass to make themselves be sick and then they just won't eat anything. Right. Until they feel better again. And I think as humans, we're putting ourselves, we're putting ourselves in a worse off position because we're constantly um, putting more food and stuff into our body. And like I said earlier on, our body is going through a, a lot of our energy by digesting the food that we're putting in. And so when we stop doing that and we give it a break, and especially at a time when we're sick, then that work that we're usually doing to digest food can go to work on healing and repairing. And it's just giving us that time and space to you know allow ourselves to go through that process i think people freak out when they're sick and they're like oh i'm sick like i just need to like feel better in the moment like a quick fix what can i do and so fasting obviously doesn't seem like a quick fix for people they're like oh i have to go through that and then i'm gonna to have to go through all the detox and i'm gonna to have to allow all of the sickness to come out and i think that's allowing the process to occur that needs to occur in that time opposed to suppressing it and then pushing it down 
And yeah, you might recover quicker, but you're pushing it down. So then you're probably going to get sick more often or it's going to come out in a different way. So by just allowing ourselves to go through the process of what our body is wanting to go through at that moment, if you're getting sick, there's a reason for it, right? And so you either allow it and you fast with it to go through the, to allow your body to have the right healing that it needs in that moment, or you don't. And then you'll, and then you just like sick in other ways. I think, yeah, you can totally like heal from if you're eating the right foods and things, but fasting is like fast tracking that because you're just completely allowing yourself to heal on the deep cellular level. And uh, yeah. And it's, and then it's going to work on, things that need working i think if you're getting sick then there's there might be some stuff in your body that wants to really come out and so fasting can just be a really amazing way to break that down through the use of autophagy which is where you break down like damaged proteins and cells and and um utilize it in other ways or um you just sometimes need to be forced to rest and heal and regenerate and fasting is a really great way to just like balance that out and 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 make you do it sam amazing and before you mentioned about how if you're looking for a quick fix to suppress some symptoms it can come out in other ways and it brought me back to i think it was last weekend or the weekend before i was doing an exam because i'm studying naturopathy at the moment and one of the case studies was about um, and an individual who suppressed their cold and flu symptoms consistently at a young age. And then it came out in different things at an older age. And it was the naturopath was figuring out what happened and what the cause was. And she brought it back into, into the suppression of the cold and flu symptoms because our body has the power to heal itself. Whereas if we are putting all these medications to suppress those symptoms, they're not running its full course and it's building up and building up and building up until it finally explodes into something much more greater than, than just a simple cold and flu. So I really love that point. Yes, it's so true. And like, even if you look like recently, I hit my leg on a bed, right? And I had a massive bruise and a cut, but I didn't do anything. Like I didn't like try and touch it and poke it every day and like make sure like I just allowed it and now it's great it's healed right it just took it took a week or two but it's healed completely but I just got out of the way of it I didn't um like yeah I didn't sit there and like wondering every minute of the day of how I can make this heal quicker or faster or not be there anymore or how I can hide it and pretend it doesn't exist I just got out of the way and it did its thing and now it's like a perfectly new leg it's fine but I think so often we're in our own way and if we just like got out of our own way, then I think we would find not just within our health, but in like life and our relationships and all of this stuff would be so much more fulfilling and beneficial because we're not there fueling the fire, if you like. Summed it up perfectly, Sam. Now, getting back into the fasting, I want to know what other fasts have you done? So before you talked about the seven day juice fast that kickstarted your journey, what else have you done in the, in the fasting realm? Yeah, so yes, juice fasting. Uh, I've also play a lot with intermittent fasting. That's part of my lifestyle. Uh, I've done water fasting. Um, I've done the rainbow bridge fast. <laughs> I've done, I just really like the first moment of me exploring fasting really led me into a deep exploration of my own, of how this applies to me and my own embodiment of it. But then also my own curiosity around fasting. And that's when I dove into fast way to health work around interviewing experts around the world on it. So I really just was one for exploring. And I think if I'm going to talk about something then I need to really embody it myself and feel what it feels like. And so for the last few years, I've really been doing whatever kind of 
fasting comes my way. Amazing, Sam. And how do you combat the the mental battles to to eat when you're when you're hungry, or or what is true hunger as well? So there's two parts to that question. What is true hunger, and and how do you combat the the mental battles when you think you're hungry or, or, or you are hungry and, and what, what happens there? Well, this is really interesting because I guess bleeding into fasting, never fasted before, this was probably one of the most common things that I thought of. I was like, I don't know how, like sometimes I can't even go like an hour, a few hours without food. Like how am I supposed to do this? But funnily, funnily enough, you don't really get that hungry. Like, it's not really a common thing that comes up. Like, you're more interested in, like, this emotion that's come up from seven years ago as to why it's showing up and mentally, you know, why that's coming up now. And often, and actually the one time that it did really show up for me was on my first water fast. And it was, like, I don't know, maybe day four to day six. And I was with a friend and we were water fasting, but we were both obsessed with food. Like we were looking up recipes. We were talking about food. We were like wondering why we just wanted to like eat all the food. I wasn't really that hungry, but it was just like a topic that was on my mind. And he actually ended up even making a raw cheesecake. He's like, I just need to get this out of my head. Like I don't know why I can't stop thinking about it. But then we started to chat about it and and unpack it a little bit. And we both realized that what we were actually craving and what was underneath it, underneath it all was human connection and that we had both related human connection with the idea of eating because when you're eating or when you're cooking for people, then you come together and it's like a really beautiful moment of connection. And so we were both just really craving connection. So I think underlying why you're actually hungry is usually linked to some emotional reason and emotional trigger. And what happens when you're fasting is that it's, it brings up suppressed emotions and so if you've suppressed emotion at some point in your life with food, especially, so just say you have, a, you go through a breakup and you suppress that emotion that you're feeling with a chocolate bar. So then uh, let's be like specific, like a um, pan of chocolate, right? And so then you are fasting and you just like are craving pan of chocolate. Like you're like, oh my gosh, why can I, I can't get this out of my head. Like all I want to do is eat pan of chocolate. If we kind of unpack that a bit, it's probably because the emotion that you suppressed at that time with ending a relationship is coming up to the surface and you're wanting to avoid it. And so when we can look at the emotion and we can work through that, then there's a high chance that the hunger for that craving won't even be there anymore. Wow, that is honestly incredible how, how you've dug deeper into those emotions and you've connected the the thing that you were doing in the moment to the emotion that you're feeling now. I really love that. And I think that you, again, touching back on the intuition and diving deeper into things, that's what the fasting has highlighted again. Sam, I, I love how you've summed up what is hunger, but a lot of people these days often think they're hungry and it could be due to a lot of things like they're not moving enough or they're not drinking enough water or they're just in a social situation, like you said before, and, they're, and they're, their brain's telling them they're hungry when they're not really, or again, like they they actually are hungry like what are some of the symptoms that you would feel when you're really hungry when you when it's true hunger yeah i think that that's i think it's such an interesting question because i really don't know that we've ever experienced like us in this day and age has ever really experienced what true hunger is right like where i think we take it for granted like we're incredibly lucky with what we have with where we live and what's accessible to us so I, even when I fast and, you know, I mean, I don't even know. I think maybe the, the longest fast I've done is 21 days. Like I don't even think 
that is true hunger. Um, so, cause my body's still be feeling nourished. It's still like breaking down different parts of me that like fat cells and things that are there. And, you know, so I think right now in this society is that we need to recognize the moments that we are feeling that. And is it really us or is it something else? Like there's a lot of um, research and and conversations now on parasites. Like is parasites part of what's making you hangry or hungry? And I remember before I started fasting and cleansing, I used to get hangry a lot. And, you know, as soon as that hunger thing like kicked in, my mood would go, like I'd have a mood swing. I'd be super angry. Like, don't talk to me. Like, but now I'm really patient when it comes to wanting to eat. Like I just was like, yeah, like when there's food, there'd be food. But it's like, are we actually hydrated enough is another question. Like, are you actually hungry or are you thirsty? And like, what's driving it? Are you actually wanting to suppress emotion? Like it's, I think there's so many different, um, you know, questions you can ask yourself when it comes to like true hunger and what that means. And then looking at maybe it's just because we're so used to having food so accessible and eating whenever we want that it's just something we take for granted. And if you really were to fast and see that you're actually totally okay going, you know, three days, four days, seven days, 10 days, whatever it is without food and you don't die and you actually hunger is not actually that big of a deal and stuff, then it kind of changes your perception around, you know, hunger and, and true hunger and, and accessible accessibility of food and needing to needing to rush and all that stuff. I think it, yeah, I think it changes that. Definitely, and it really makes you appreciate food and, and like try and taste every ta- every like spice or every flavor in mm. that food while you're eating, and you you really enjoy every mouthful as opposed to now a lot of us are so disconnected when we're eating where we're out to breakfast and we're scrolling through the newsfeed while we're shoveling food into our mouth we don't know what's in the food we don't know what's going into our bodies like we need to be more connected and and really help the the absorption process and let our bodies absorb as much nutrients as possibly can from from the foods yes and like on that as well matt i had a conversation recently with a friend and um because i you know, she kept saying to me, oh, like, you're like a really balanced eater. Like, I thought you would, you know, be like really more strict and whatever. And you're actually really balanced. Like at this point, we're having like some sourdough and dips and like red wine and all this stuff. And I, and I kind of had a conversation around, for me, it was this thing I had to go through around the energy that I was feeling when I would go to eat a food, eat, eat certain food. And because however you're showing up to the plate, is what the energy that you're putting into your body. So if you're showing up to the plate and you're going to be eating stuff that you wouldn't, you know, wouldn't eat on a daily basis and, you know, it might be like a treat or whatever it is at that point, but you're telling yourself it's naughty or that you're like, like you're making it a big deal in your head about what type of food this is. then that's the energy that you're putting into your body. And so I think as well as being conscious and mindful when we're sitting there eating and not being scrolling through Facebook or not having an argument while you're putting food into your body or not, you know, um, having certain thoughts about the food you're eating, it's really beneficial to look at the thoughts and the energy that you're creating when you are, um, when you are eating and recognize that that's what will be going in. So if you're somebody who is eating a salad or like a, yeah, like avocado toast on sourdough and you're, you're shaming yourself for it because you're like, I shouldn't be having a sourdough. That means I'm going to have to go and like train three times today, opposed to somebody else who's sitting there eating, 
um, you know, ice cream cake and they're loving it. They're going, this is the best. I feel so good. Like I'm so like lucky to be eating this right now. Then there's a high chance that you, the avocado smash person with sourdough is going to be doing more damage to their body than the person eating ice cream cake because of the energy that, that they're sitting in. If that makes sense. Definitely hundred percent does. And that automatically resonates with me through my weight loss phase. I tried anything and everything from fad diets to, to, shake pills and whatever that apple cider vinegar and i really just developed a bad relationship with food and a restrictive nature to foods and i would eat super super clean from monday to friday and even through to saturday lunch and then from saturday lunchtime all the way till monday morning i would just pig out on all these foods while feeling horrible about it and telling myself oh my god i need to go and train for this i need to go work it all off which is a horrible mindset to be in and and it just really brought up those emotions there when you when you started mentioning that. Yeah, I feel you. Like I've totally been there myself, and even it even got stronger on the health holistic health journey because I got so conscious, right? So so conscious of what was going in my body, what I was eating, and then I had all these like labels and and stuff show up, and this is where I came to the label thing. But I was like, this is not healthy. Like I'm actually so obsessed with what I'm putting in my body and what I'm eating. And even to the point of like, I can't go and socialize at this point because I can't eat what they're eating and all of this stuff. And it got really bad. And I called myself up on it and I was like, no, like I'm here to experience the human experience. And I think this is part of it. Like we're able to eat the foods and enjoy the foods. And we just have to be more conscious in how our mindset is when we're doing that. And at this point it was like, this isn't doing anything good for my body or for my relationship with my body or my relationship with food. And so I, yeah, worked a lot on that exact thing of going, okay, well, if I'm going to choose a balanced lifestyle, then what does that look like? Who do I need to be? Like, how do I need to show up? And that meant letting go of the labels and letting go of how I was calling, how I was calling food or referring to food or referring to like this whole, like I that whole cheat day thing, that cheat day mentality. It's like, yeah. what, what's a cheat day mean? Like, it's like that you shouldn't be eating that food because you're cheating. Like what? And so I think letting go of all of that and just living a balanced lifestyle and feeling really good about it. And then it just changed um, everything around what I deemed as health, I guess. Yeah, amazing, Sam. And it's not the consumer's fault because there's so much yelling and screaming in the health and wellness industry saying that this is good for you and this is bad for you and this gives you that and that gives you this. And, and where, where does someone start? Like they're always conflicted by evidence saying that bread is bad and then bread is good the next day and Coke is bad and then beer is good for you. Like where, where does someone start? Like it's so, so um, confusing for, for the consumer. I know, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, I totally get it. And sometimes I think I totally get, I get it so much that I'm like, what's the point? Like, what are we doing? Uh, and I think the most important thing is that anyone can do is build a connection to themselves because that's who knows. Like you're the only person who knows you and your body. And so if you're not doing the work to build that connection, then you are going to be conflicted and confused because and you can look up a study, a for and against study for anything these days. Like, like you, I could tell you all this amazing stuff on fasting. You could go and find all of the things on fasting. Then you could go and find all the bad stuff on fasting. Like it, literally any for and against whatever topic. And so the best thing that you can do is be your own study, be your own judge, be your own teacher, be your own doctor and connecting to who you truly are, your true essence. And fasting, in my opinion, was just the catalyst that got me to that point. 
there's been so many modalities that I've used ever since to continue the journey to myself. But I think ultimately, it's like, what can you do today? Well, you could start meditate, meditating, like you could sit for five minutes and just listen and pay attention and just build that up every week. Or you could do something that's going to allow you to really build that relationship to, to your body and to yourself and like reach out for support if you need support or like do something different. But if you want a different result, you're going to have to do something different. And um, fasting is an extreme way to do that, but it's also really powerful. And so I think, yeah, I think people need to um, kind of strip back all the information that they're hearing for a moment, resonate, pick the people that you really resonate with that, that allow you to help you find your truth and then listen to that. Amazing, Sam. Awesome summary there. I, I love everything that you've just mentioned in the conversation where it's heading. I'm, I'm so intrigued and excited about what's coming next as well. I love everything that you're doing with Fastway to Health and, and I was so intrigued by watching the videos trying to develop some, some questions to ask you for the podcast. But what are you doing at Fastway to, Fast to Health for the listeners at home? Yeah, so Fast Way to Health is, I co-founded it with my brother Mitch a couple of years ago and really it was because we were both so into this whole fasting journey ourselves that we wanted to explore more and so we developed an online education platform for people to want to know more about fasting and I've interviewed hundreds of people now all over the world from um, you know, Joe Cross to Dr. Joel Furman to Marcus Rothgrans to John and Tyler Tolman to anyone and everyone that's in the kind of holistic health fasting, like from functional medicine doctors to professors, all of the things, because I really wanted to, I really felt the importance of sharing on a deeper level what fasting is, has done, can do, and the, and the research and everything behind it. So we created a platform where we would bring all of this education to people who are interested. So Fast Way to Health Now is kind of like a one-stop shop for fasting, um, as well as throughout the time we've developed, you know, different programs and um, different courses and different things that have really helped people achieve that. And then from that, um, I kind of mixed all of my skills into um, finding the path that I wanted to take with this. And if you go back to remembering, I studied all the life coaching stuff, but never pursued it at that point. It wasn't the right time. And then I've studied the fasting stuff and kind of holistic health stuff, you know, in a, in a way. But I know for me, it was more this heart-based approach, as you can tell from everything that we're talking about. It's like guiding you back to who you truly are and, and recognizing that it's not about something you go and study. It's like about stripping back stuff to remember who you are. And so that's what I'm passionate about now too. So it's more about the transformation of yourself. And I, I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. I work with people in groups to really um, um, remember that and to guide. And I just love it, like heart-based coaching and allowing people to step into the potential of who they truly are so that they can live that life. I call it the 10 out of 10 life. Um, and sometimes it's scary, but sometimes you just need somebody cheering you on and helping you with the hard questions that you don't want to ask yourself. Awesome, Sam. I love that 10 under 10 life comment that you just made before. It is so, so simple, but it means so much. I love it. And Sam, just a quick question here. I know when I'm training my clients and getting into conversations with people about various things, whether it be nutrition, mindset, fitness, I often learn from, from the people that I'm connecting with. And, and I love the, the fact that I'm there giving them a service, but I'm still learning from them. When you're in conversation with, with these people that you're coaching, do you often learn things from them as well? Oh my gosh, always. 
always like every day I'm learning something. And even the people that I'm coaching, like sometimes I'm going, this is wild. Like they're going through exactly what I need to kind of tell myself right now. So it's like, you're kind of mirroring. It's like a mirror, um, constantly coaching yourself at the same time as coaching someone else. It's really wild how we're actually all connected. And the thing that I've learned from that, and even from the interviews, and you probably know this too, from the interviews that you do Matt, like everyone, like no one's alone. Like we're all like just kind of winging it. Like we're all on our own journey. We're all experiencing the same feelings as somebody else. It just kind of looks like a different story or a different challenge or a different situation. And so you kind of realize, oh, like we're all, we're all in this together. Um, and so you can learn so much if you have that open mind. Definitely. And having an open mind is a key. And just because you're a professor in the field or, or you're a doctor doesn't mean that you know more than someone than your patient that is coming in with little to no knowledge about something. We can all learn something from anyone really in summary. Absolutely. Awesome. Sam, I'm just backtracking a little bit to earlier in the podcast, you mentioned connection and the power of connection. And I know that connection is key with everything that you're doing. I learned that while working at Lululemon, whether it's connecting with an individual about a, a service that we're selling or connecting with a food or connecting with another, another person about a different thing. Like connection is key. How can someone be really in tune with their connection and make meaningful connections rather than just connections that are, that are just going to create burden and stress in their life. What can we do to, to create meaningful connections? Oh, I love this question. Um, I really believe like that. I think there's a quote that's like, you can only help yourself. You can only help somebody else as much as you're willing to help yourself. And I think it's the same as like connection and love and all of that stuff. Like as much as you're willing to go to the depths of yourself, then that's the level of connection you'll be able to have with somebody else. And so ultimately, if you really want to have fulfilling relationships and fulfilling connections in life with other people and food and all the things, then it comes down to your own connection with your own self and how much you're willing to go to the depths of yourself to recognize that. And I've been through this journey because like connection to me is like one of my top values. Like I love it so much, but I was recognizing that I, because I wasn't, I had so many shells around my heart that I wasn't allowing people in on a deeper level that I said that I wanted them in because I wasn't, I hadn't experienced that self-love or I haven't developed that self-love within myself first. And so until I went and did all that work on opening up my heart and allowing people in, but also falling in love with myself, as weird as that sounds, like that's when the deeper connections have entered my life. And now like there's not like all, all like connections and relationships I have are epic because they're so meaningful and so fulfilling on so many different levels um, because I have experienced that within myself first. So if someone's willing, if someone's wanting to experience that and you, or you're asking yourself like, well, why don't I have these strong connections in my life? Or, you know, why I wish that, you know, this with my partner would be deeper or whatever it is, then I would say it's time to look in the mirror at this point and go, all right, well, where am I? And how much do I actually love myself? Like, where is my stuff coming up? And are you working on your stuff? And it takes work, right? Like it takes looking in the mirror and going, all right, I'm going to do the inner work. And the inner work just means, you're committed to your growth and you're committed to doing the things that you're scared to do to allow yourself to experience a deeper love for yourself than you've ever experienced. Amazing. And it's the law of attraction, right? You, you're going to get what you give out. 
Yeah, for sure. Like then you start, you're like, oh, where did these people pop up from? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Now, Sam, I know we're going to take another little bit of a segue, but I feel like this all intertwines with with fasting and intuition and connection. Now, I've listened to a few of your videos and you talk a lot about gratitude. For for the listeners at home, can you sum up what gratitude is and tell us what gratitude, what role gratitude plays in your life? Yeah. Oh, I love gratitude. So gratitude is like, just taking yourself out of the picture and having like this deep appreciation for anything and everything and just allowing. Right. And I think we have this perception sometimes, especially when we're new to gratitude is that, um, you know, you just write a bunch of things you're grateful for every day. Like you just wake up and you just write a list of like 10, 20 things that you're grateful for and whatever. That's great because I'm being grateful. (laughs) And what I learned is that actually it, it would be so much more powerful if you took one thing, like you just, you just took one thing that you were grateful for today and you went deep on that one thing for like three minutes and you felt what it felt like. Like you feel all the feelings and you bring it from your mind and your logic and writing it on a piece of paper to, into your heart and into your body. And you feel how much it lights you up. Like sometimes it can just make you cry how grateful you feel for something. But I think that's when it's been fully embodied that the power of gratitude can change your state. They've done studies now where like neuroscientists have done studies where you literally can't feel a bad emotion and grateful at the same time because grateful will trumpet every single time. And so it can change your state if you're feeling, you know, like if you're in a spiral of negativity or if you're not feeling great, like it's really powerful to shift into gratitude, but it's really powerful to shift into a gratitude that you fully embody. And so if you're sitting there and you're going through a day where you don't feel great and you need, and you're like, I don't know how to, I feel stuck and I feel lost in life. Like I don't know how to move through this. Then my advice would be, okay, we'll pick one thing right now that you're really grateful for and either write about it or sit in it, sit in it for three to five minutes and see how much it changed your state. And it's incredible how much it actually can change your state. And I highly recommend everyone trying that. Amazing. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Amazing, Sam. I'm actually going to do that after this podcast because I'm really, really intrigued about the emotions that it brings up. And I, I really love that study that they do that the gratitude outweighs any negative thought because it is so true when you think back. And, and for example, you're thinking back to a time where someone has given you a present, how happy you are and how ecstatic you are in the moment. That's all you're thinking of. You're only thinking happy emotions and you're only feeling really grateful about the thing that they've done. So it definitely, definitely is true. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's like, how do you just like move through your day like that more? Like, you know, just looking out at nature and thinking, well, I'm so grateful that I get to live in this beautiful place or that this is accessible to me or like how much, how appreciative you are of that stuff. And it just becomes more part of how you show up in life because you're just literally on a, on a bigger scale, more grateful for walking around instead of focusing more on the issue. And it comes down to that whole, like wherever you're putting your energy is where you're going to get more of. And so if you can break the habit of focusing on some stuff that's not great for you or or it's bad for you and you should, shift your thinking to things that are grateful that that you're grateful for then that's where you're putting more of your energy and so you're going to see more of that continue to show up and it's just because your energy is more open to that 
um, it's like when you're wanting to buy a new car, right? And then all of a sudden you just see that car that you want everywhere because you've like opened up that energy channel. It's the same with like how gratitude and appreciation works. It's like you put more energy into that, then you're going to see more of that come back to you. Amazing. And again, that's the law of attraction that we spoke about before. Yeah. Now, Sam, just one for, for the listeners at home. I know that it's so easy to talk about gratitude and when we're, we're sitting having an awesome conversation like this and, and it's so easy to write down things that you're grateful, but what is practical gratitude and how can that benefit our, our lives? Like, for example, when you're stuck in traffic and, you're, and you know you're running late for work and, and the person in front of you is taking forever at the, red, at the green light to go, how can we practice gratitude in those practical situations to, to be more aware and more conscious? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, giving you another perspective of this, if you kind of take a bird's eye view approach of this, right? Like you scan, you, you scan up from the top of your life and you look at what's going on and you look at it kind of like a puzzle piece, right? Like, and we're all just kind of navigating this puzzle that's already kind of planned out for us. And we're just moving like kind of chess pieces. And so when you think about your example, this is how I like to think about it. I'm stuck at this red light and it might be frustrating because I'm going to be late. However, this is happening for a reason. So what happens if I got the green light and there was no, there was no traffic and I got, you know, and whatever. However, 30, 30 meters up the road, there's a car accident that's occurring and I'm stuck in this red light because it's protecting me from being in the car in that car accident. And so when you can kind of start to, in any situation, change your perspective of, okay, well, this is happening for a reason. Like, I'm, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm sure I'm not going to get fired from being five minutes late or whatever it is. And I just appreciate that someone's looking out for me in whatever form. It's like that whole thing of like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You know, it's, it's like when you change your perception of that, then maybe it's not a big deal anymore. And I mean, you can sit there and you can turn it into a positive of like, oh, this gives me more time to listen to this podcast or it gives me more time to, you know, bang out some tunes, whatever it is. And you look at what, could, what you could be grateful for in that moment and do, do that, that makes you feel good. But you can also look at it like, well, maybe, you know, there is something that's, that's protecting me because I'm not supposed to be 30 metres up the road right now. I'm supposed to be here. So, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's Definitely. kind of how I look at things now. Definitely. That is an amazing summary. And I think that my listeners at home can take some awesome points out of everything you've said throughout the podcast and in particular that one just there. Now coming to the end of the podcast, Sam, I thank you so much for, for your time and, and sharing your wisdom with all my listeners. I want to know what a day in the life of Sam Asa looks like. Oh, what a fun question. And you know, <laughs> I don't even know how to answer it because I'm such a, right now in my life, it's such an impulsive, I'm, I'm quite an impulsive kind of person that, you know, I wouldn't be surprising if my parents rang me and they said, where are you? And then I said something like Spain, like they'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> like I'm just very, I have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen next type of person right now in this moment. However, in a day in the life, you can definitely catch me um, meditating for sure. Uh, you can catch me doing some sort of movement, whether that's a walk in nature or like, you know, yoga on the floor or being in a dance class or just literally dancing in the lounge room, whatever that looks like, like movement, so meditation and movement are a key for me. Uh, also, 
Um, I work a lot from my laptop. So right now my struggle is like not opening the laptop. And when I, the days that I don't open my laptop, like not feeling guilty for it. So the benefits of working online is that I can work from wherever, but the downside is that you kind of feel like you constantly can be doing more and that it's hard to switch off. So you'll find me with a laptop meditating, doing some movement and out in nature. <laughs> Amazing. And if you're in Melbourne, down at Urban Produce. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Sam. Great. Um, I just want to dive back into the fasting before we, we spoke about it in depth and I know people might be really intrigued about fasting and, and want to go all gung-ho and start. And I know as humans, we either want to go all or nothing, right? So we want to, we want to go out and go do a 20-day water fast straight away. But for someone that's new to the fasting world, where should they start and what environment should they make sure they're in to maximize their results for fasting? Yes, very, very key. Um, firstly, I would say there's probably like three core things you can think about if you're new to this. And the first one would be, uh, what's your reason why? Like if you have a really strong reason, reason why you're doing something, then the whole process becomes easier. And that's that drawing the line in the sand thing that I did. Like, that's it. I'm done feeling the way I'm feeling and I'll do whatever it takes. Like I had an emotional trigger that was triggered from that, that I wanted to, that I knew no matter what was going on, I was going to say, I was going to stick to it. And so often you hear like, I've got kids and I've got this and lots of like excuses can come up. But I think if you're so committed to your reason why, then it doesn't matter. Like I've been water fasting once inside of a Mexican restaurant because I wanted human connection, but I was also fasting and it didn't phase me. So I think when, you're, when, you're, when your why is strong enough, the how will take care of itself. The second one is having the right support around you. So uh, sometimes the ones that you want to support you the most will be the ones that will challenge you the most. So sometimes it's about being conscious of who you're sharing this journey with, especially at the start and maybe being quiet about it and not telling a lot of people and finding the people that will, that do understand your journey. So, you know, we have like a fasting online community or having people in your corner that will just really cheer you on and that you can lean on for the times that feel tough. And maybe it's about not sharing it with the loved ones that might challenge you right now so being conscious about who you're you're surrounding yourself with and who you're choosing to support you and share this journey with and the third one would be um do some research and educate yourself on like the lead up and the, and the breaking of the fast because they're they're sometimes even more important than the actual fast and they're most the most challenging so you know we have loads of information on fast way to health membership and from the interviews that i've done you can look up you know a whole bunch of different people now or you can just chat in the online communities to get insight or work one-on-one -on -one or whatever it is but do your like due diligence on like the lead up um and making sure you're not just like bouncing into it kind of toxic and full of stuff and doing more damage it's just like really important to to look at the lead up and the breaking of the fast yeah, awesome, Sam. And for anyone that is wanting to find out some more information or or be be coached along their fasting journey, where can someone contact you to to go through them? Yeah, so you can find us. Um, you can find me at Sam Asser on both platforms on Facebook or, or Instagram. But you can also check out fastwaytohealth.com and all of the fasting insights is on there and contact details and stuff to find me. Awesome. And I'll have that in the show notes for you guys at home. Now, Sam, lucky last question. I want to know what your main message is and what gets you out of bed every day. Ooh, my main message is. <sighs> I'll put you on the spot here. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I love it 
That's good. Um, I think my main message is like, what are you doing today to live that 10 out of 10 life and go and do it if you're not, because I think we, life is short and we all have so much potential within us to live a life that lets us, that lights our soul on fire. And so it's about actually dropping into our heart out of our mind and following that feeling to live the life that we say we want to live. Amazing, Sam. Honestly, unbelievable, man. And you've you've given us such a great insight into not only fasting, but connecting with your intuition, gratitude, connection with yourself and with others, most importantly, self-love, and then gratitude as well. So I'm so grateful, pardon the pun, for for this opportunity <laughs> and for, for connecting with you today. And, and thank you so much for your time, Sam. Matt, it's been so awesome. I'm so grateful as well. You're a great host and yeah, I've loved jamming it out. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. I know we could have chatted a lot more talking about all the misconceptions in the fitness industries and things like that, but we'll save that for a podcast at the later day, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) And that's this week's dose of Euphoria. Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes, and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, and remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria. Euphoria.